He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 102 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. As always, I'm James Richardson and I'm joined this week again by Barry O'Hanneran. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. Good evening. How are you? Good. Um, if anybody would like to get in contact with us, we're on Twitter and the Twitter handle is at PodcastGTS and the email is a goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com. At podcast GTS and a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. And um, let's, I suppose, talk very briefly about our own games, Barry. And uh, last week on Saturday, yourself and your dad were playing a Scotch foursomes um, in Glen of the Downs. They, they moved away from the Stableford normal competition for, for a week to try something new, which is always welcome, I suppose. On the one hand, some people I think were a little bit grumbly about it over the the week that it wasn't really appropriate to have it on a Saturday, but I, I, I welcome a little bit of variety. I did too, and the grumblers were the people that lost. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you play, Barry? Um, it was fine. We, <laughs> myself and Dad teamed up very well. We both played We both played very well. Putted, putted, the putting was, was really key for us. We didn't miss a putt inside eight foot all day. We didn't leave anything short. So the ones back, we made everything back. So um, I think just for for listeners who might not know, Scotch foursomes is, is, ah, is so okay. we're we're hitting two drives and you pick your best drive and yeah. and then from there what happens? It's foursomes, strict foursomes. So, so it's it's if, just if, the drive you pick. If we were playing together, James, and we both hit our tee shots, and we were going to choose your tee shot, I would then play your ball as the next shot, and then okay. you'd play the next shot after that. But it doesn't go to you. Don't then play you know sometimes it's like a scramble scramble yeah. is the one so just to be clear it's you, get, people, you so. get a tee shot each and then it's strict foursomes from the best ball yeah so uh, and what was your score in the end 77 gross we were six over par gross we were and one over par gross in the front nine and five over in the back nine and what was the handicap was it two we, thirds or was it uh no it's fun, it it's fun? a funny one there's um it's called a greensons reduction so it was what was it 40% of the high handicap and 60% of the low handicap and you add those together okay. so we, we were paying okay. off 12 so we ended up with 65 net which is 600 for our course ours is set par Glen the Downs is a par 71 so I didn't I didn't, you know what because I thought I didn't think it was enough and uh, it turned out to be just good enough by one shot but I felt like we probably needed a little bit lower to win because you just don't know in these formats and you have two tee shots to choose from so it's, and it's hard to know how everyone else is getting on you know when you're only seeing your own game and then the other the game of the other two guys beside you uh, with one funny and well sorry not funny it was far from funny after did you play someone else's golf ball no no I did not I've That's done that once one. once bitten twice shy no I won't do that again I hope touch wood um, at the back of the 11th I had a little delicate chip to play down the down the kind of the nose uh, yeah. in the back corner of the green down to the pin and I went to just drop the the sand wedge in behind us, literally just dropping it in behind us. But I grabbed the club on the, I grabbed the grip and on the way down and stubbed it into the ground. Touched the ball, ball jumped back over the club and then bounced and hit the club a second time. So that was two shots, and we had literally gone nowhere. So 
Uh, <laughs> we ended up with a double bogey when we should have had a lockdown par. So you hit the ball twice. Yeah. Do you get to hit it again, or does your father take it? This, <laughs> that, it, that, it that, was that would have been an interesting one. Probably a valid question. No, it was it was his no, turn. It's, it's a penalty, so it's yeah. It was it was the yeah the two shots. So that was not that was I was in a great mood going to the twelfth tee because you don't sense. mind if you if you do double hit it like that. And it's advanced, or oh, yeah. it's, you know, but when you've ended up in the same spot, oh, if and you're, you're green, now like if we went off the green and we had a tap in, fine, no yeah, problem yeah. at all. But we ended up in the same spot. Now I got my got my head together, and I held I don't know, I held about a four or five footer for the six, which actually so made, what you're saying is your no, dad hit the, the oh, he, decent he hit a, chip. Well, shot he had a decent chip shot, yeah, but it made me feel a little less bad to hold that putt because otherwise it was a seven, seven and it was my fault. Okay, so it was a double, it was a double, double bogey. bogey so. so it wasn't yeah, a that. complete disaster. If I missed the putt, I, I can imagine I would have gone full rage. To be fair, if you're going to make a mistake on the 11th, it's better to make it there than to make it on 18. <laughs> you know, oh, you, yeah. you all of a sudden had reset button you've got, mm-hmm. you know, however, seven, six hills left to, to kind of put it. And, and they're all... They are. It's uh, it's historically easier to score on the back nine in Glen of the Down. So you've, yeah. you've got ways of making it up over the next six holes. It was holes. pretty tough with the wind direction update from what I remember. So we, we bogey 13. Sorry, part 12. We bogey 13. Um, Dad hit a poor second shot. Not an important day. We made a good bogey in the end on 13. 14, we made a great par because we missed the green. 15, good par. We just said, if we par away, and I was like, oh, let's try to get a birdie. Anyway... We didn't, but we parred our way in, even with the pin in the back left corner of 18. Mm. Yeah, he held a nice five, six footer for the par, and that was the winning putt, as it turned out. So, oh, yeah. really happy, win the vouchers. At the, at the top of the thing, it said it was the Granard Cup, and we thought, great, like, a t- usually when you see one of these cups, yeah. you think, oh, the winners of this go to an, a, a national competition. Read the rules. So, I did, I went to the Granard Cup website on Sunday night after the results came out, I said, Dad, we won't be, uh, it'll be difficult for us to play in the Granard Cup, and he said, why? I said, well, well it would involve us changing to uh, a sex to ladies, you know, so... He, uh, we're not going to do that. We it was for women only. Women only competitions. So that's why the men were playing the Scotch Forsens because that was the format of the day to facilitate that competition. Anyway, Scotch Forsens was fun. Played it in practice on Sunday for our foursomes for the Barton Cup, the Interclub team. Uh, so I think I found a partner for that. So hopefully we get picked for the team. We, we played 11 holes and we were one under gross. So that, yeah, was, that was, was good fun. Uh, I, had a, I had a wonderful weekend. I was uh, dosed with a cold and... I had thought about not playing and then I came home from being away with my nieces and nephews and family after four four odd days and said, no, I am going to play, turned up. Well, sorry, I wasn't going to play, to be fair. And then I think probably everybody can relate to this. I woke up at about 3.34 in the morning and I went, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pull my name off the line for 10 to 9 and... You know, the emails were on the iPhone and I, I, I flicked through and I was like, Glenn of the Downs reservation, Glenn, oh shit, looked at it, you know, two out of the four guys on the line pulled out throughout the night and I was like, shite, I can't let the other guy down, you leave on the line. So I was like, no, okay, I'll go. I played. So I played 18 holes and uh, had 36 points. And uh, somebody told me, um, you know, you should always fear the uh, the sick golfer. Uh, I could have had 40-odd points. Mm. Um, you know, some, some putts just didn't fall for me. But uh, from tee to green, played really, really well. Really enjoyed it. It was a very enjoyable game. 
uh, had a quick bite to eat and then went out and played uh, 12 more holes. <laughs> yeah, so you slept uh, well on Sunday night. And I had, I had, what, for 12 holes, I think I was 50, 52. Which is 5 over par. 52, 5 over par for 12 holes. We were playing strokes in mm. our group of three. Uh, there wasn't a huge turnout for it. but It's a sad time of year. The greens are slowly starting to get better. The, you know they're, they're moving along nicely and they're going to be hollow chords next week. They certainly are, yes. but that's why we yeah. get very good greens in during the summer. The summer so it's painful. Just, just when you get the hint of them coming back, they get taken away from you for a few weeks. But The most painful thing is we are going to get our annual email from the club to say, course... Ma- uh, maintenance has taken place and uh, just remember that uh, some golfer I can't remember if it was Ben Hogan or somebody oh no it was Tom Watson was it scored a 59 on hollow cord green was it, was it one of the Toms Watson or Kite I can never remember I can't remember yeah every year we get told about a professional golfer who shot 59 on hollow cord green so there's no excuse gentlemen of the Glen yeah all you need to do is get your ball to be in one of the tram lines of them in the line to the hole and then get the ball rolling along all yeah the I, look with a bit of good luck uh, it will probably uh, feed itself out over, Two over weeks. a couple of weeks and, and we'll forget all about it we had okay just a quick and quick and honourable mention to uh, our friend Stuart today so Stu's coming back to golf joined a new club today and we went down for a round of them he used to play three rounds for handicap, and uh, well, the magic the magic <laughs> number today was 113, and that was for one round of 18 holes. And no, it's not a par 105. <laughs> it's a you know what? It, it's it's a nine hole course. Uh, well, I think we can say it's Blessington Lakes um, down down in in Wicklow, and uh, I'd never played it before. Um, lovely setting, really yeah. nice setting. It's uh, it's right on a peninsula. You know, inside the lake, yeah, inside the lake, it's gorgeous setting, and uh, you know, I have to say, it's 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 a course that you know, it's it's kind of fundamentally set up, I think, for a lot of guys who want to keep a GUI handicap. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how busy it will be on a Saturday, Sunday, but you know, it's you know, there was a lot quite a good crowd there today for, for Wednesday morning, and uh, nine holes, I have to say. Really enjoyed it. You know, I kind of thought we were going to a place that, you know, yeah, they dotted a few trees just to give you an idea of kind of a fairway. But the greens were superb. There was a Um, golf course laid out there and there was a couple of really cool holes. Like the second slash 11th is a belter of a par four. So just to put it in perspective, none of us had ever played it. I hit hit my tee shot. There was out of bounds on the right and I hit my drive down the left. Mm -hmm. And... and thought, yeah, that's all right. You know, they couldn't see the flag. It was kind of over a hill. Barry hits his down the left as well. Another good shot. Stu, uh, Stu hits his actually down the left as well. Yeah. We walk up and I find my ball. And my ball is probably a club length away from... The a cliff edge. Cliff edge of what was originally a massive hole in the ground, which was a quarry. <laughs> <laughs> and it was what... It must have been 30 foot deep. Uh, at least, yeah. at least. And uh, I then hit my shot down to short of the green. And uh, you you played out and Stu played out. And anyway, we I, I, I held a putt for a five, walked off and went, geez, you know, that's not a bad five. <laughs> we both teed off on the next hole and you went, James, is not a, that's not a par five, it was a par four. <laughs> yeah, we thought we both did well with our fives. Like, that was a good par five, just grabbing those par four. Yeah, so, uh, it was it was fun game. It was fun game. Like In fairness, I felt sorry for Stu insofar as 
it it was so rusty around the greens, like it was it was like military. It was right, left, right, left, and it he was just... duffing balls. He was sculling them, it, and the frustration, the rage was hitting boiling point after about the fifth hole, and he had gone six, seven, nine, eight, seven, or something yeah, like that. So one, one, three is uh, so we'll keep you posted, listeners. If uh, if you can beat one, one, three at podcast GTS, both tell up or us, down. Uh, tell us. <laughs> How how where it was and when it was at podcast GTS is the Twitter handle. And just just for just to give Stu a bit of credit, he was playing off fourteen in Glendalen, so more than capable of shooting eighty you know, on a good day. Ah oh, so, no, look, it, uh, it's just ring rustiness. It's also a course like he played some really nice shots on the back nine. Uh, just it's also hard when you don't know the course, you don't know the way that the greens will roll. Like there was one that I hit, one putt that I hit, just to give an example, and it turned from left to right, and you guys were on the same line. And you hit it right to left, and it went left to right. It was like, what the hell happened there? Twilight but you were zone. only a couple of yards, you know, a couple of inches to the left of my ball. That's and the that's lake, James. The that's difference. the lake. You know, the lake's changing. It's a living, breathing thing. I don't know. That's it. Uh, that's so golf, isn't it? We do have the uh, announcement of the Titleist prizes from the Week 100 but we are going to hold that, and we're going to announce that after the review section. Going to make you so sweat, folks. You're going to have to hold on, but we do have um, the announcement of the winners. Let's have a quick look then at news, and I suppose the first bit of news is our, our countdown to the Masters continues, and that's now just 15 days to the Masters. Tomorrow fortnight. So tomorrow, Actually, well, today, today is the, part three day. Part three day, which is always a bit of fun, and it's, uh, it's nice that they're showing it live now. And uh, I think, Barry, you were telling me that the in America, they're going to show Amen Corner on 4K for the first time. 4K HD, yeah, AT&T and oh, one of the networks, I'm sorry, name eludes me right now, but they're showing it in 4K HD, so it's just... So if, to, if, if to put that in perspective, yeah. that's ultra high definition, so yeah. it's twice... If not more, it's four times the regular 1068p. Yeah, so, so it's, it's it's serious here. You're going to see the blades of grass. And if you've got that in 3D, you can you can probably see the blades of grass. Just don't it, touch the ball. <laughs> it would I be mean, nice. the, it, the, as if Augusta could get any more beautiful, and you just throw it. You know, Those you know, azaleas are gonna look. You're gonna so. be, some year they're going to introduce like smell vision, and you're going to be able to, like in Willy Wonka's chocolate oh, You're going to be able to like. Get the smell of the trees and the grass and the gust of it. Uh, yeah, can't wait. We'll talk more about that come in the next week and the week after. So let's have a look at the Coca-Cola Queensland PGA Championship. And I know this isn't uh, something that's going to make the review section. So Barry, you, you have it down for a very particular reason centred around Tim Hart. Bittersweet, yeah. Poor Tim. So he was well down the field. I think he was in mid-twenties going into the final day. And... Uh, he was on a blitz that day, and he needed just only needed to make a bogey on the final hole to shoot 59. Now, he had no idea what score he was on. He was just swinging well, and he took the driver, hit it out of bounds, made a triple bogey, and which still got him into the playoff. And unfortunately, then lost the playoff to David Klein of Germany. So, lost the, lost the 59, you know, lost the championship. But he was very philosophical at the end. He said, look... If you'd offered me a playoff at the start of the day, I would have taken it. So, look, it's going to sting like crazy. He said, if I'd known where, what position I was in, I probably would have taken two iron off the tee. So, there, I mean, it's a good example. Sometimes it's good to not know what you're on because you're just flying away. You're, you're, you're ticking along nicely and you don't even have to think about it. You're just swinging well. But at the same time, it does. it is important to know where you're at. Um, and, and this has been a long conversation yeah. we have had in debates in the past mm-hmm. as to 
do you want to know? Do you not want to know? And I, I've got to the point where I personally want to know, and I don't care if you tell me on the 10th tee box how yeah. many points I have. I think you should know. And I think that over practice, both as an amateur and a pro, in my opinion, it builds you up mm-hmm. to be stronger, yeah. to compete for the bigger prizes that you need to know. Because, look, end of the day, you need to know at, at certain times... On a back nine, particularly, do you need to put the foot down, or do you need, you know, do you just keep going yeah, as you do are? Do you attack this pin? You know, and some yeah. pins you don't attack. Some pins, you know, you, you hear the pro say it all the time. That's not a hole that I'm attacking. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think as amateurs, we need to get to that point where you go. Actually, the 18th isn't a hole I'm gonna. So I need to pick up a few points because a, a par on 18 in Glen of the Downs, for instance, is good. It's two points. You move on, especially mm-hmm. if the pin is back left, back right, and it's going to be tough to get to. So I do think that you do need to know. And I, I think as a pro, I think I find it very hard for them, particularly in competition. The fact of the matter is, if he had done, forgetting about the 59, mm. if he could go back to 18, he, he would have won the tournament. He would have won bogey. the tournament. Make a double bogey. You know, the tournament. Yeah, so he doesn't, so forget about the 59. Yeah. He needed to know on the 18th. What is the likelihood now? I don't know where he was. Was he first or second? He would have been playing an awful long way ahead of him, so he probably he's probably just gone off the score. You still need to know, you know. So, um, and because surely the fifty nine would have come into consideration if he'd known all I need is a bogey on this hole. So, uh, it's it's knowing helps you be like be a better golfer and be able to cope with the pressure situations better. You're not always going to be able to avoid the score if that's your modus operandi. And at some stage, somebody's going to say it to you one time in a comp- competition round. And if you're not used to that, it'll completely wreck your head and it'll throw you off. So looking, uh, we, we had a good conversation um, last week about Ian Poulter getting heckled. And um, I suppose uh, there's a follow-up here, Barry, that you're, you're bringing to my attention. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Poulter, I, I guess, wins the battle of the words. If if this is if this counts as a win for him, I guess he probably will count it as a win. The um, the guy who was heckling him and tweeting about it and foolishly tagged his employer in the tweet. Um, Poulter came back came back out onto the internet onto Twitter and said, "Is this the kind of person you have at your mm-hmm. place?" And uh, subsequent to that. He ha- he no longer works there. I think it's a politically correct way of saying it. He's been let go. Well, that brings that sorry saga to an end, I think, and we will leave it there. Um, and uh, I suppose just uh, to, to round up the news section and from another conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, um, I was asking whether people had, ever, you know, had any golfer not seen Caddyshack, um, one of the all-time great golfing films and uh, we got a bit of interaction with guys on twitter at podcast gts that uh, had said they'd never seen it but they were planning on doing it and uh, barry it turns out that uh, some famous individual has also never seen it yeah, famous through his father and you, you kind of expect that he'd have watched it at this stage or probably all of his father's movies but apparently bill murray's son has never seen caddyshack and uh, came out in an interview and stood by it. So I don't know if he's just very good at a deadpan face or whatever, but uh, that's a really weird one altogether. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Uh, if that is, if that's correct and and, and true. But and uh, his loss, to be honest, because it's a cracking movie. So uh, yeah. So look, uh, on. let's look at the the week that was, and uh, the LPGA were playing in Phoenix, Arizona, at the JTBC Founders Cup. It was played over the six thousand seven uh, five hundred and thirty eight yard par seventy two, 
and uh, see young Kim match Annika Sorensen's 72-hole LPGA scoring record of minus 27 in the final round with a fabulous 62 to win by uh, a couple of shots from last year's winner. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, it was more. It was like Lydia five. Coe. Five is a couple. <laughs> so, five is a couple in my mind. So Lydia Ko was second, uh, minus 22, and then uh, Conkelona was at minus 20, and uh, Megan Can was at minus 19 with Brooke Henderson, who is just being really steady this year at minus 19 as well. And uh, also Paula Kramer, Stacey Lewis, and Yun Hee Ji. Oh my god, that's a difficult one to pronounce. Uh, uh, all of minus 19. Bird, birdie Festival. It really was, and just to put it in perspective, like uh, Young Kim, like 63, 66, 70, 62. What a way to bookend a four round with a 63 and a 62. And uh, Barry, you had a little look into those figures a, a bit well just uh, here's a stat for the field to show how crazy the scoring was there's 49 players were 10 under or better in this tournament so it's, I don't think we ever see that They're really sensational uh, one thing that just really kind of was quite remarkable was uh, I read she hit a 241 yard 5-1 to the 11th which is that's quite serious distance considering, you know, it's, it's not far short of the LPGA driving average. And, uh, you know, she's hitting that with a five, but knocked it in tight and made an eagle. But uh, seriously impressive performance. Um, she's only, she's a little pocket rocket as well. She's only five foot three tall. So that's sort of distance out of somebody. That, that's about your height, James. It is my height, actually. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, yeah. Okay. Five, five, three and a half. How far do you hit your five wood? A long way. A long way. 242. <laughs> Yeah, it just it's so it's so long that sometimes I just get bored counting the steps. Just I mean, I the production line of amazing Korean golfers continues, you know, and and back to back Korean golfer because it was uh, Hojo Kim from last year, uh, another Kim uh, won six uh, with minus twenty one. This is a usually quite low scoring. Uh, just going back twenty twelve, it was minus eighteen. Twenty thirteen, minus twenty three. Kerry Webb in 2014 was minus 19, and uh, Kim last year was minus 21. So it is a course that you know really lends itself to, to, to birdies. And with the whole idea about the tournament being a, a celebration of what has helped the LPGA get to where it is and where it's going, and I think the idea is that it is a, an exhibition of the skills, and you want to make loads of birdies and make it very entertaining for the fans and well, they, they've seriously achieved that this week, so well done to them and well Absolutely. done to Sae Young Kim. And uh, looking then onto the European Tour, was out at the Hero Indian Open in Delhi, in New Delhi, India. It was played over the 6,983-yard par 72. And uh, I, I, I might just pass Barry this one and say uh, the winner was and who came second, because I don't think anybody needs to hear me butcher these names. Uh, SSP Chowrazia. Uh, that's my in my best Indian SSP yeah so um, he won that uh, minus 15 67 67 68 71 for a 273 total two shots ahead of Lahari um, that's 8 out of 10 James Good. Um, yeah, I've I, stopped at that point to, well Wang, Wang came second as well I don't, tied second yeah um, so listen this is a seriously great story about redemption for Cherezia who's finished fourth in this tournament uh, sorry second in this tournament four times so uh, massive outpouring of emotion, huge celebration on the 18th. Like the smile on his face was like a kid on Christmas getting his entire Christmas wish list. So um, delighted for him and 
phenomenal. Did you see the shot he played out of the shrubbery? Like he was literally in a bush and he like hacked it out and made his bar. Like, well, it wasn't the only. Shot. Yeah, it wasn't the only remarkable shot. And uh, you know there was there was certainly a few over the course of the weekend. But I think uh, none more than uh, Rashid uh, Khan, who uh, decided to uh, greenside bunker. Uh, any club will do. Any club will do. Uh, you've got you've got all of them in the bag, so use them and uh, took the putter. Where he went up over the ridge onto kind of fairly good distance actually from the hole. Like it wasn't, uh, I don't think he'd have gotten any closer with a, a wedge mm. um, and uh, drained the putt uh, for the four for the park. So, uh, no pictures on the scorecard. No, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't even that he was embarrassed about it. He was, you know, there was, it was the way to do it. Um, I'm not sure I would do it in Glen of the Downs, our green, our. Greenside bunkers have a lot softer looking sand. I don't know if it was compacted or something that he decided. It looked it looked fairly compact. Um, and if most of our bunkers these days now have a little have a lip on them of some sort. We have a couple around there that have just the bunker feeds to the rough. You know, it was so, fairly daring. Just, yes, you know, it's you're it's risking fair. you're risking complete catastrophe. But then again, it's it turns out to be the right shot. So good decision, yeah, well played, well executed. Finished uh, finished tight sixth, and I suppose um, you know a bit of a mixed bag for our own Paul Dunn, who finished uh, tight fifty eighth, who was one over at the end, and uh, it was a struggle at times. You know, seventy four opening round, then he had a great sixty six in the second round. 71 on Saturday, and then a really tough 78 uh, come uh, come Sunday to leave him down the field. But um, you know, it's a learning curve for him. It's uh, it's another step. It's it's been a long time now, kind of since his ninth in in the Joburg in in January. But it's just not quite finding the rhythm that he needs, and and it's been a bit stop start there hasn't been a huge amount of competitions for him over the last while so hopefully seasons are just getting going now yeah. hopefully he'll build up momentum um, unfortunately Harrington did not uh, missed it missed the cup by one but did a very cool thing and stepped into the Sky Sports uh, studio for a couple of hours to give his professional analysis and what a great analysis he gives to the game and um, to the listeners for two hours so that and that's a really cool thing and he doesn't have to do that at all so it's, it's very I, interesting. I love when that happens when you get the pros in there just ad hoc. You know, they step in for even an hour, half an hour is brilliant. Well, I wonder there is an awful lot of uh, poor Carrington doing other media work at the moment. He does a lot of the interviews. He's done the trip around the house. Mm-hmm. Now we have this. Do you think? Um, I have a. I would have a feeling that I think he may be transitioning slightly into the post. Kind of the way McGinley had, like, started with a lot more of that media stuff and his... I, I might be wrong, and I, I don't think... I think the way that he played last year, winning, start this year, he's, you know, I don't think it's something that's going to happen in the next year or 18 months, but I do think he's looking with one eye over yeah. the next while. So Laying the groundwork, perhaps. I think so. And he's brilliant. I was just so insightful. Like, I could sit there and listen to him all day long. Uh, uh, well, yeah, you could. Uh, that was a lovely shot. He, uh, listen, I could. I think he's great. I mean, Harrington, would you take two Harringtons or Mark Rowe and Colin Montgomery? I, I like Callum Montgomery, so I don't know why everybody. I don't have a problem. Mark with Rowe. Uh, Dodge that question. I have to say, I have to say, I think Monty. Rick Beam is, is 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 very very good. Yes, um, and but a, but uh, really, really, yeah, I really liked him on Sky. No, I think I, I think 
It's a bit like Jamie Carragher with the soccer, and I'm sorry for people who are abroad who don't know, but Jamie Carragher, Liverpool player, went into the Sky Sports mm-hmm. studio, and he got the thick Liverpool accent. Yeah. And you kind of thought, oh, this isn't going to work. But he is so knowledgeable about the game oh, of football, yeah. and like he is a superb analyst of the game, similar to guys in, a, put it in American and context. so was Gary Neville before he took the job with Valen- Valencia. He was outstanding in the studio. And, you know, there's guys like Madden over in the States, guys who were in the game. Mm. You need that level of understanding, that level. And poor Carrington has it, the technical knowledge that he has about the swing, about what you're looking for on numbers. And numbers are becoming so much more involved in the game on TV that someone like him that can interpret them, look at them, see them. I think it's great. Yeah. And I, I actually, I like Porrick a lot. And, you know, I, I just... You know, You're I, saying it to be argumentative. No, I just... I, I No, I, I think it's just he's transitioning. And yeah. I, I think that, you know, whatever about the eh, eh, you know, it's that I, I think people will look through that and listen to what he's saying and be really impressed with it. Oh, for sure. And I, I think the key... The key the, Good thing is you're getting guys who are only recently off tour, rather than guys like Mark Rowe who's been off the tour for a long time. You, you know they're kind of bridging that gap between the older guys like Bruce Critchley and the older commentators. You need those. You need the fresh guys who are just off the tour, like Harrington and Rich Beam. I think Rich Beam is great. I wish he wouldn't rag on his own game so much. Like, oh, I couldn't hit that shot at all. It's like, well, yeah, you could. You were. A, damn fine golfer yeah I, I think that's just him trying to, to I don't know it's, yeah. I just think it's him but let's have a look at the American tour and the PGA was at the uh, you know hugely respected Arnold Palmer Invitational at the Bay Hill Club and Lodge in Orlando Florida it was played over the 7,419 yard par 72 and um, <clears throat> this is all going to be about Jason Day but before we make it all about Jason Day for mm. the moment I'm going to read out that the Florida swing the last five winners on the LP, uh, on the PGA Tour: Bubba Watson, Adam Scott, Adam Scott, uh, Charles Schwartzel, Jason Day, all major winners. Fifteen days away from the Masters, these guys are all stepping up to the plate. But let's talk about Jason Day, particularly in this group for the moment. Wire to wire win, a big field of a lot of quality. Mm-hmm. And he went out and he he played really well. The opening two days, he just absolutely smoked the field, didn't he? Just put himself in such a powerful position. And Saturday, he was very conservative. It was a tough day, though. The rain, you know, when the storm kind of well, sorry, before the storm came in, there was a lot of rain. There was wind. It was the course was playing very long. And he took a lot of irons off the tees. I mean, he was he was following Tiger's advice. You know, he's been in conversation with Tiger a lot, and he hasn't hidden that from the media at all. He's been very open and honest about the conversations he's having with Tiger, which I think is really cool and interesting. It's it's a way for us to get access to Tiger in a sort of roundabout way. But you know what he's been told by Tiger is make the others catch you. If they're behind you, they need to chase you. If you don't make mistakes, so he's playing a very strategic game in that. Okay, he's make some pars are difficult to make when you're playing your second shot from 200 yards out when you could be playing it from 130 or 140, but he's still making his pars and the others have to come after him and they're the ones that are making mistakes and that was a theme we saw with Tiger and the guys who are chasing him for years and years and years. So it's a really good it's, system. It's also a system that Jack used. You mm-hmm. know, this isn't isn't a system it's that's not rocket science. just, you know, it's it's, it's proven. You play your game, you, you put the marker down, and then you say, okay, lads, there's the baton. Either pick it up and beat me, yeah. but I'm not going to beat myself. I'm not going to 
give this game away. I'm not, you know, I've built my lead. And let's put it in perspective. So Jason Day, he, he won it uh, at minus 17, one-shot lead uh, from Kevin uh, Chapel, Henrik Stenson and Troy Merritt back at uh, minus 14. But as you say, it was all done before the weekend with a superb 66, a 65, and then two very nice two under par rounds at the weekend, 70-70. And when you look at guys who, you know, Zach Johnson, for instance, at minus 12, started 70-70, 68-68, not good enough. You know, uh, Kevin, um, sorry, uh, take Henrik Stenson as another example, 67-66, 70-71. You know, so they weren't bettering. The only person who bettered them really over the course of the, the, the weekend in that top field of the kind of the top 10 was Francisco Molinari who had 69-69. We had um, uh, Zach think, Johnson at 68-68 and we had uh, Kevin Chappell at 67-69 who had a really wonderful weekend. Like, you know, mm. he, he had 68-68, 67-69. Like it was super shooting, just not good enough. But, but there in the top 10... There's there's three players, so three the, players who better the guy who won, and that's the the fast start and the his strategy then paid off, and it, it it looked in doubt early on on Sunday because he made three early bogeys uh, in the first six holes. So, but he steadied the ship, got his you know got his shit together, and hey, we're like I'm like say it's our podcast, we own this. Um, really impressive though, like his his will to win coming down the stretch was. So good, like I mean, sixteen. You expected him to make birdie. It was almost a par four, you know, for these guys, and he didn't. So seven gets to seventeen, which is an absolutely savage par three. Playing two hundred twenty-one yards, firm green, over a bunker. There's water there. It's not really a play for these guys. It's actually, sorry, side note. One of the coolest bunkers in golf because it feeds right into the lake. Uh, very cool visual on that. Well done uh, on the design of that. But he hits this towering iron shot. I mean, that must have come down from the stratosphere, how high he hit it. Came down soft into about probably 15, 16 foot, maybe a little bit tighter, maybe about 12, um, and rolled it in. It was nowhere but the middle of the hole. And that was a real, there was a tiger vibe about it and that he was just complete willpower. That ball is going in the hole for this birdie because trying to make a birdie on 18 and um, in Bay Hill is, uh, is pretty difficult, especially with the pin in the back right position. And just to, to, I suppose, you know, one of the things that I just pick up from what you were saying there and, and what I think is something we touched on for both the amateur game and the professional game and what we can be looking at. Adam Scott this, did this a couple of weeks ago, started with a couple of double bogeys, started with a few bogeys mm. on the cart and still went on and played superb golf, put it back together. Here's a guy who in the final round... Guys are starting to come back towards him. He goes and has a couple of bogeys. Loses the lead. Loses the lead. But here's a guy who forgets about that and finishes it at two under. You know, so it's important, again, a lesson for all of us, mm. is that we're going to have bad holes. We're going we're gonna to drop shots. But it's, and, it's and about... At unexpected times. I mean, he made a, one of the longest hitters on tour makes two bogeys on the two par fives in the front nine when he is expecting to play them in a four at, you know, or five at absolute worst. I mean, he's, he's probably expecting four and a half to play those two holes in nine shots and he's going to play them in 12. So that's like, that, that's a shock to the system. And you're looking at it, he goes birdie, 
bogey, bogey, birdie, bogey. And you're kind of now going, you know, what kind of day am I going to have here? Mm-hmm. And here's, you know, and that's the difference. I think if we start like that, you know, it usually goes south. If I'm one over after six, you know, I'm pretty happy at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, you know, at that point, if that's if yeah. that's what our card's looking at, you're kind of going, geez, the day could go. But again, Jason Day, mm-hmm. Adam Scott, Bubba Watson, these guys take the adversity and go on and win. And I think that, you know, the names that I've just read out, you know, with a with a Jordan Spieth who hopefully will come back to form and you know he'll he'll get there in the next fifteen odd days. Rory McIlroy, it's really starting to heat up to a wonderful couple of weeks of golf. And um, you know with the WGC this week, moving on to the Shell Houston, all of those building up towards the Masters in in in, yeah. in fifteen days. Time. Let's talk about his bunker shot on eighteen. Go ahead. How good was that? Very good. That's it. Well, it deserves a little bit more. Go on, you, 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 you. So yeah. he's now as much as I dislike. He's got to get up and down. As much as I dislike, uh, no, it wasn't Mark. Rowe. I think it was Wayne Riley was saying he needs to, you know, almost play a chunk and run. He's playing from the back bunker on eighteen in Bay Hill. Green slopes back to front, down to that corner. It was Wayne, never going to be long. Yeah, was now, it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> but like Wayne Riley is phenomenal at calling the shots and exactly the shot that these guys play time after time after time. His knowledge is superb. And I, I, I love listening to him on the course. He really get he really understands it from what they're doing. And uh, well, Day didn't play it that way. He flew it pretty much most of the way. Uh, bounce check, released down to four foot. And Wayne Riley said he was surely showboating in front of Arnold Palmer there. Now maybe that's the thing. Maybe he gets, his, you know, maybe that's what gives him kicks, you know. But or maybe that's just the way he saw the shot. He executed it phenomenally well. It, it no, sorry, it it was incredible. It was. It's under pressure. It's the seventy second hole. There's water. Yeah. There's everything. You know, He's you, you could ball. either look an incredible professional, or you could look like a man with his pants around his ankles. Mm. Um, and he did what he had to do. And I I I, I think that you look at. What he, you know, he put himself under the pressure, mm-hmm. but took it on the shoulders and, and did it. And I think that where we talked at the very beginning of this, which is he's talking to Tiger Woods. And that was a very Tiger-esque shot. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm not afraid of this. You know, the only difference is that probably Tiger would have held the bunker shot. You know? <laughs> That's probably the only real Tigerism that like he, he would have probably yeah. have hit the pin or something. With the logo showing just at the last second before it rolls. And it? I think yeah, that's yeah. what always will set someone like Tiger above all these guys. But it's a Tiger shot. It's, 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 I accept the responsibility and I can prove that I can do it and away he goes. Actually, there's, there's a good kind of comparison to be drawn between how they uh, finished out the 18th and how Chapel did. Chapel um, drove it into trouble on the right and only had a choice to lay up to the left onto the fairway, had a wedge in hand. You could say he pulled it a little bit. You know, that pin is tucked in a tiny little corner of that green, so it's a tough shot to take on. But he probably knows he needs to make par there, so he does tug it a little bit. He's got a 20-footer or so to make his par, and he leaves it nearly five foot short. So, I mean, and that, and he, he could, you could visibly see the guy was kind of shaken from the situation. You know, he was the nerves were really, really affecting him. So, um, it's just it's funny how Day really shouldered that pressure, and Chapel seemed to crumble a bit under it. And I suppose that's just a that's just a maybe that's a product of Day having gone through it last year. Yeah, it's a learning more. curve. So, you know, like 
I think that that's you got to go through the uh, the good times and the bad, and, yeah. and and you know what I'm just really excited about the next number of weeks. You know, Paul Casey played well, Matsuyama played well, Zach Johnson, Henrik Stenson, you know, Justin Rose, Adam Scott again. Interesting comment just before I move away from Adam Scott at the Skycart. They said, you know, were you happy with the week and you know coming back after. Two banks, you know, two wins, took the week off, came back this week. And he said, yeah, no, really happy, played well, struck it well. You know, I, I didn't want to expend too much emotional energy this week. Mm. You know, I want to maybe simmer a little bit. And I just thought that the, we talked about the idea that a lot of these guys don't want to win prior to the Masters. They want to build up to it. Mm-hmm. And it was just interesting hearing him say, you know, I'm happy that I hit the target, top 20, top 15, top 10, that's what I'm looking for, but I don't want to expend too much emotional energy. And uh, So that's why he had a uh, triple and a double on 18 on Saturday and Sunday, because without those he would have been tied third and he really would have been in the hunt. Well that's it, well look, um, I suppose... It, it it is understandable though. He, like he he's got he used, he probably used a lot of emotional energy winning those back-to-back tournaments and so it's... It's not. It's not stupid what he's saying. It's probably he probably just wanted to tickle on, still show to himself. Okay, I'm hitting the ball well. Yeah, I'm still pulling well. Things going are nicely here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, don't need to. You know, it doesn't need to be too crazy or kill him. You know, or you know, put him under uh, emotional strain. Yeah. You know, and it's a big week this week with the Del Match play, which we'll get on to now in a second. Well, and potentially six games and uh, or seven seven games. Well, yeah. I think we should leave the review there. Yeah. And I know people have been waiting for this moment because Barry's going to announce uh, the winners of all the Titleist swag um, to celebrate the 100th episode. And again, thank you to Titleist. Um, Make sure you're following them on Twitter at Titleist Europe and uh, Team team Titleist as well. That's great because you can... Team Titleist is good on their website, actually. Uh, Nice discussion boards and you see... Some cool little perks being involved in it. Yeah, when you when you hashtag it, you know, uh, any golf achievements, any good scores, you know, people get involved in it. So uh, definitely follow that. Have a look at it. And um, Barry, I suppose start from the start, and uh, you will tweet these anyway in in due course, I'm sure. But yeah, but um, not immediately. No, yeah, you wait a few days. We will <laughs> until people start hounding you for the, the the answers. Yeah, if they haven't listened this far in. So, the Titleist Pro V1s. Titleist Pro V1s. Uh, we don't need the questions, do we? Uh, well, we can ask. We well, can answer the questions. The, uh, what was the name of the founder of Titleist? Philip E. Young. Philip E. Young. and the Or Philip Young, or Young, or Phil Young, or any variation of that was accepted. And, and the dozen Pro V1s are winging their way to who? Keen Lanigan. It's at you call me Carlos. Congratulations, uh, Keen. Uh, 12 uh, shiny eggs coming to you. And may uh, may they all be winners. Uh, the second question, which was for the to win a pair of Footjoy Hydrolites, and it was according to Footjoy.com. Careful, it's the .com. How many possible combinations exist for the Footjoy MyJoys? And uh, this was a pretty big answer. And uh, if you cannot find the combination of colours and style that you like then they just don't exist for you. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, I mean, if you had the time to go through them all. Um, yeah, so 
There were, it seemed to be there was two very close answers to each other. It, on the internet, we were getting a couple of variations in. They were both in the 14 million range, so we accepted both because, well, we're cool and it's our competition. So north of 14 so million combinations. Four, yeah, it was 14,704,540. I just need to win the lotto so I can, you know, get every combination. <laughs> need to win the Euroman, is that? Anyway, um, congratulations to James Quirk at Dagdat79. Footjoy Hydrolytes on the way to you. You gotta love the names on, you know, the app pug. You know, yeah. it's, some of them are fantastic. Uh, the final one, which I suppose had a slight limitation that uh, either people had to be willing to travel or they were kind of more Irish based. But this was to win a custom fitting session with Mark O'Mahony in the Titleist Fitting Centre in Carton House. For the full bag, it's it's got to be a superb day on the track, man. That you, you you get to really go through all your stats and see what what custom fit will do for you. Testing their clubs, the shafts. It's it's a really it's a really cool experience if you haven't done it. And with uh, the new uh, seven sixteen AP ones, AP twos, CBs, and the MBs, it's you know it's it's a world of opportunity, and and not to mention the the new hybrids, uh, the eight sixteen Hs that are there as well. So. Lots of fun in store, and the na- uh, the question I suppose was, what is the name of the title of short game robot? And the answer to that, Barry was Spider. Spider, and and there is a great video on their website. If you haven't seen it, go on to it. Uh, Titleist dot com. It's re- it really is our dot co dot uk. Um, and the winner who is going to be able to set up and go down for their custom fitting is well, James, it's you. Ah, no, I uh, don't. that's that's not true. Uh, Small drum roll is is Richie Philpot and it's at Dickno Eight. At what? Dickno Eight. Well, uh, congratulations to all of the winners, and uh, you can. Um, I need you. Yeah, we need you guys to email us. So it's at. Uh, no, it's no, not that. It's, it's, it's a good talk spoiled <laughs> at gmail.com, a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. And if you don't have Gmail and only Twitter, ping us a tweet, we'll follow you, and you can direct message us then if we don't already follow you. So, um, and James Quirk with your Footjoy Hydrolytes, you need to send us your shoe size as well. Uh, Kean, we're just going to send you the standard size golf balls, and uh, Richie, it will be a voucher. Very, very good. Uh, well, Congratulations to everybody. Thank you again to Titleist. Uh, I think at this stage you all know how much we enjoy playing Titleist golf gear. And uh, we hope all the winners enjoy all the the, the swag that is on their way. Let us know how you get on with them and uh, keep us updated at Podcast GTS and uh, hashtag Team Titleist when you uh, get those hole-in-ones wearing and using Titleist equipment. So let's look at the week ahead, and I suppose today is um, Wednesday. Some of the tournaments, which we'll get to, have already started, but I suppose the LPGA hasn't, and that's starting tomorrow at the Kia Classic in the Wildfire Golf Club, Phoenix, Arizona. It's played over the 6,538-yard par 72. Oh, that's, that golf club is wrong. That's my fault. That's a hangover from last week. <laughs> it was at the <laughs> okay. JTBC Founders Cup. Excuse me, that's a... I failed. There is, there is, as you can clearly see, a bit of a Ron Burgundy here. What's on, what's on my sheet? I read. The so. Kia Classic takes place in Carlsbad, California, on the Carlsbad, California Classic Golf Course, Avaria Golf Club. Sorry, I was, I, was, I was going very fast through the internet. If you go onto Facebook, go onto the LPGA website, uh, follow their their 
whatever Facebook page, uh, there's a very good video of how they get the Kia floating onto the lake. Nice. Uh, which is actually quite interesting to watch. If you ever wonder how the hell they get them out there, um, it is, it's worth having a, a little bit of a look. Um, uh, do we have betting on this? We bar? have the odds indeed, yeah. So Lydia Ko is market leader at 4-1. Hannah Jang, 10-1, as is last week's winner, Seyoung Kim. Stacey Lewis, 12-1, to 1, again popping up in the top few places. Will she win? Find out this week. Uh, Lexi Thompson, 14-1. to 1. Inby Park, 18-1. to 1. Hyo Joo Kim is 20-1. to 1. Christy Kerr, 22-1. to 1. Sung Hyung Park is 28-1, to 1, uh, along with Brooke Henderson. Uh, another top another, five, possibly, or maybe a win for Brooke this week. And that's probably the rest paying of about five places. 28-1, to 1. let's have a look on the green bookies. Five places. Yeah, so there you are. So look, uh, that's, Easy money on Brooke Henderson for top five these days. Um, go each way and... Uh, she might, catch, she might nab the win. nab the win for you. Um, because of the WGC and being the, uh, the, the, the top... 50-odd, 64-odd mm. players in the, the field this week. There is a second rank tournament going on for kind of the also-rans to a certain extent. And the Puerto Rico Open is currently um, going to be under play tomorrow. And it's at the Cocoa Beach Golf and Country Club, Rio Grande, Puerto Rico. It's played over 7,506 yard, par 72 and I have a note here that wind is a factor. Um, but before we move on to that, I have Scott Brown at sixteen to one, Graham Delat eighteen to one, William uh, McGritt twenty two to one, Chesson Hadley Hadley twenty five to one, uh, Frederick Jacobson twenty five to one, Patrick Rogers twenty five to one. Uh, Ian Poulter 33 to 1 and Luke Donald and I've skipped you one skipped. <laughs> now, just because we got abuse over this before because you can pronounce it about 20 different ways from what we understand George Kutseya yeah and he's 30 to 1 yeah um, you know so uh, like Luke Donald Ian Poulter there played pretty well last week Graham Delad always good Poulter uh, played great for a few shots but his uh, well Tommy Tanks weren't so hot no, he's got a he's got a case of them at the moment. I think there was three last week. Oh, lovely! Hazel uh, rockets, as they they call them as well. Uh, and if anybody's in Puerto Rico uh, at podcast GTS, just heckle them for the fun. Uh, <laughs> let us let us know. Just don't tweet your employer. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, you you have, in fairness, Barry, uh, the the note that is here. Um, you've had a look at the course. You've had a look at kind of. The, the factors and uh, does that influence where you would be looking at putting money? Small small plug to golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Uh, I did a little read them there. Steve always does. Steve and Paul do great course previews. They, you know, the full breakdown of the course, how that affects you. You know who you're going to pick that week. Uh, so they did a little breakdown. This is a long course. There's a you know, but it will be, you know, it's hot, it's dry, so it's not going to play as long, but apparently the wind's going to be up this week, so if you are picking golfers, pick one that can play in the wind, so maybe somebody from the southern states in the USA, somebody from Europe who's used to playing in wind. Uh, so pick wisely, my friends. Choose wisely, yeah. My focus is going to be on the WGC this week, which I think is probably where most people uh, are going to be looking. And this is for the top 64 players, give or take. Some people aren't playing in the top 64. So there is a uh, there has been a bit of a shift. So it's not quite the top 64, it's 64-ish. 
And uh, it's straight up match play. Uh, there's a number of, of groups. Mm-hmm. They all play today, tomorrow and Friday. The winners go on and then it's it's pure knockout over yeah. the weekend. 16 groups. Play each other, play the 16 groups of four. You play the other three guys in your group over the next three days. Today, tomorrow and Friday. Then you have the 16 group winners will go into a, a bracket of 16 and play all the way down to until there's one guy standing at the end with the trophy in his hand. Uh, which last year was Rory. And I suppose the fact that there has been some uh, golf already played at the moment, we can give a very brief look because none of them are in any way close to finishing or finished at all. Well, I have quite a few matches finished here, so you're happy to update. Okay, so oh, sorry. Win- winners so far, <laughs> Brad Snedeker, Charles Swartzel, Jason Day. Jason Day did not look good. He injured his back on the 16th, and he looked to be in some pretty serious pain leaving the course. So uh, maybe it's just a muscle out of place or something. Uh, I guess we'll find out more tomorrow or maybe a bit later on on the internet. Thongchai Jai D, Rafka Barabayo, Kevin Kisner, Jason Duffner beat Ricky Fowler. No surprise there because it's a Pete Dye course and you know kind of a shot makers course, not too long, and Duffner loves those loves mm. Pete Dye golf courses, so no shock there. Uh, and he's playing well this year. Um Bjorn Hun An and Scott Piercy have their match. Sergio Garcia was down early on, two down early on to Westville I saw, and he came back to win. Ryan Moore, Mark Leach and Ty uh, have their match. Bubba Watson and Patton Kazire have their match. That's a great result for Patton Kazire mm. um, off the web.com for, uh, last year into the PGA yeah, Tour six, this 63rd, year. 63rd, so right at the other end of the scale to Bubba Watson's f- ranked fourth. Ranking matters nothing in match play. It's two. It's just two guys going at it. Like your ranking doesn't give you any shots or any advantage. Uh, Miliano Grido beat JB Holmes. Patrick Reed won. Phil Mickelson won, beat your man Matt Fitzpatrick, your little favorite. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. That could that could happen again. You know, you know that could be another tie-up uh, come come the uh, Ryder Cup down the line. And Dustin Johnson was beaten by Robert Streb. Three and two. It's a surprise. Um, it, it is, it is a, it's a formula that definitely um, is a situation that, you know, the best players in the world don't necessarily mm-hmm. go on to win this tournament. Uh, or so the best players in the way that golf is played competitively in, as in stroke play events throughout the absolutely. year. Absolutely, and it, it it does throw up. You know the Victor Duisans. You you know throws up at times different players who mm-hmm. come through the field over the last couple of years. We've had guys that are way down the rankings, way down on the money fields mm-hmm. for the week, and before you know it, they're quarter finalists, they're semi finalists, and you know match, so, match play is a. A really distinct skill in golf. You can play amazing golf and you can still lose a match. Yeah, there's a lot of psychology in it, as everybody knows. But it's a it's a fascinating week just to see the pros take on this part of the game that we play a lot as amateurs. But they ha- they don't get to play regularly since they were uh, since they were amateurs themselves. You know, they only get it once or twice a year, or Ryder Cup year, or you know, the Presidents Cup things. But um, this it's a great week. And the three days are just brilliant, filled with, you know, you have 32 matches being played over the Wednesday, Thursday, and the Friday. Phenomenal, phenomenal to watch. And, uh, you know, onto the weekend. The, the Sunday's a little bit of a letdown. We were talking about this, James, actually. The Sunday tends to be a little bit of a letdown because you only have the semi-finals and then the final and the third, fourth place playoff. So there's not an awful lot of golf to be seen and shown. Although that said, Sky still they still managed to not show every shot of the final and the 
third and fourth place playoff last year, which is just unforgivable. And we were talking about what could they do to bring other golf on, you know, other golf to show that day. You know, could they have an amateur match play event on in the same area, a high ranking amateur match play event in the same area? <coughs> Excuse me, for the Saturday and the Sunday that those guys would go to that course and play their, you know, semis and finals and quarter semis finals over that course and you have more golf to watch. Uh, maybe that you know, kind of the synchronization of the tours. You know the way the PGA Tour and the LPGA now have a synergy. Maybe there's a way that the they could do that. The LPGA have a match play event, and there's a, a synergy between the two tours. Well, I think it's something that they 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 might look at. It's it is tough just the way the format is. I suppose we get to watch a lot of golf over the next three days, four days, mm. and uh, you you know it's 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 tough over the weekend. Uh, looking at the betting, and it is in-game betting at the moment because obviously the the, the tournament has started. We got Jordan Spieth seven to one, Rory McIlroy eleven to one, Jason Day fourteen to one, Adam Scott fourteen to one, Justin Rose sixteen, Phil Mickelson twenty to one, Patrick Reed twenty to one, Charles Schwartzel twenty two, Bubba twenty two, Sergio twenty five, Ricky Fowler twenty eight, Zach Johnson twenty eight, Matt Kuchar twenty eight, Louis Ustase in twenty eight. Uh, Brent Snedeker 30 Adam uh, Andy Sullivan 33 Danny Willett 33 Jason Duffner after a good win today 40 to 1 you know that's seems uh, you know a very generous generous uh, odds there's definitely players that are in that field who have either are currently playing or have won today that wouldn't be a bad punt who are still quite heavily uh, out on the on on, on the betting markets, but Barry, this is a tough competition to really get an idea as to who's going to win so far out because of the match play. And, you know, even guys who do brilliantly in the first two or three days, you know, might just come unstuck with one tough round or one bad round or lose by just a one up on the 18th. So it's, it's tough. Is this a market that actually for people, if they're betting, should look at individual matches and maybe putting a little bit of an accumulator together of maybe two or three games and you know over the course of the, the day rather than an outright winner? That's what I did today to create success. All my accumulators tanked and bombed, which it's just it's hard to call these matches. You know, you're you're, well, you're, you're, you're picking on the golfer, you're picking on a little bit of form, um, you know. How well they play. It was windy today. It is windy today. Uh, how they play on Pete Dye golf courses. That's another factor I kind of take in. But still, you know, it's heads up match play. It is tough. Um, my 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 accumulators failed today. So uh, reload and try again tomorrow. Uh, I just put a bet on Snedeker there. 30 to 1. 1 today. He's, you know, a little bit of, little bit of nice form. Uh, and each way. And So if he gets to the semi-finals, I get an each way return. So, so that will be interesting in the long run in the event. Uh, I will put on some accumulators again tomorrow in a few matches and see can you catch two or three results in a row to spin up your money and build the bankroll for the Masters. We will, uh, we're going to look at this in much greater detail. The fact that it's already commenced, I think a lot of people will be already looking at it. So they, they, they know the course, they know the look, and uh, they're seeing who's winning and who's losing and who's drawing this year. So we might leave it at that, mm, have a look. And some good storylines to talk about next week from this, there surely will be. Ah, uh, they will, and, and, and I, I, I think it's one of those weeks that you can sit back and enjoy. So look, the, uh, congratulations to the winners of the Titleist gear, and thank you again to Titleist. Um, 
have a great weekend golfing. I'm looking forward to it. It's Easter weekend, so it's a, uh, a bank holiday here. So we'll have loads of golf to play. And uh, anybody who's playing, enjoy it. Uh, if you're not, sit back, relax, enjoy the WGC or the Puerto Rico Open or the ladies on the LPGA. And we will talk next week. Bye-bye, <laughs> 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 Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.